Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. All right, folks, good to be here. Glad you're here with me. And I just want to start 42 years ago. 42. Significant number. Don't panic. Just leave it there, Cameron. 42, seriously, 42 years ago as a young college student, yes, there was a day I was young. Attended a um, missions conference, uh, and it's known as the Urbana Missions Conference, put on by, uh, in the United States, it's InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. It's actually an international organization that continues to do this about every three years, uh, to uh, impart a vision and a strategy for world missions. But 42 years ago, was there anyone else there? Oh, wow, look at that. A young college student that I had recently met. And uh, I sh- yeah, I brought her to a missions camp. Oh, you brought me. Well, there you go. <laughs> and if you're wondering, that picture... <coughs> The, the, the pull-out there, the picture of the woman, that's Elizabeth Elliot, who was one of the speakers. You say, well, who's Elizabeth Elliot? Elizabeth Elliot was, is the widow, or was the widow of Jim Elliot, the famous missionary. They made a movie about him. His famous quote, he is no fool who would give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose, was murdered by uh, an indigenous people group somewhere. I don't remember where. And uh, she was one of the speakers. I I pull out a picture. I was like, that can't be her because she was an old woman. (laughs) And I'm like, she looks young there. She's actually quite a bit younger than we are now. But but back then she was old. (laughs) Billy Graham was there. First time I heard Billy Graham speak in person. And um, a, a, a whole lineup of other missionaries, uh, speakers, and, the, and so I had only been saved about six months. And in fact, the first time that I partook in the Lord's Supper communion was at this conference in that room with approximately 15,000 other mostly college students. And I thought, this is going to take forever. Whose idea was this to serve communion? But they were amazing. They had a system down. Everyone was distributed the bread and the wine literally within minutes. And so the first time I put partook of the Lord's body and blood was in that, that room with 15,000 other young people and people of all ages that were passionate about the call to world missions. And it made an impact in my life, but uh, it was very clear. I believe it was the last day of the conference. And I was ready to go, okay? I'm like, and a big emphasis, this is, uh, you know, they were just realizing that the Muslim world was going to be the central uh, call and focus of world missions for the next, for the foreseeable future. Uh, previous to that, uh, in, in, the, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, it was mainly, missions was mainly directed to um, uh, uh, rural uh, people groups, but they realized the Muslim world was going to be significant in the decades to come, and certainly it, it was true. And so I was ready to go. I'm like, I want to go to the, the 
you know, a Muslim nation. I want to sell all. And, uh, and I was praying about it, and I heard very clearly. It was one of those experiences where it could have been audible. It would not have been more real if it was audible. And that I heard God say, you're not called to go. You're called to send. Boom. Yes, sir. And I have been sending for the last 42 years in every way imaginable. Amen? Thank you. <clears throat> and we're doing a series on outreach, on, uh, on sharing the gospel. And I love the strategy that Bill and Marilee Menser have come up with. It's simple, it's, it's, it's memorable, and it's, uh, it's, it's realistic. It's attainable. And so we are to reach our circle. Those are the people that we know, that know us, our friends, our family, to reach our neighbors, those around us, closest to us, and to be generous beyond. And so I'm going to be talking about the generous beyond part and uh, what that means, how to go beyond our neighbors, people we know, people we live near, and to reach those uh, in, in distant places, distant lands, and how do we do that? So I have a question for you. When in Scripture... You know, did world missions, the idea, begin? Front row people can't answer questions. They always, they always, they're in the front row because they're good students, you know, they want to. <laughs> Abraham. Most people, actually, I get this from a, a young man named Graham McCaig, who <clears throat> formerly uh, was a, Dean at the University of Cornerstone University, taught a missions class, and he would, he would say, he would always ask the students, it was a world missions class at a seminary, he would ask them, when did world missions start? And, and most people will say, with the Great Commission, when Jesus called the disciples to go and preach the gospel. And uh, that's not true. <clears throat> that was not the beginning of, the, of world mission. Uh, it goes back just a little bit earlier, some of you got it. And it goes all the way back to, well, the first chapter in the Bible. Genesis 1, 27, 28, says, God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. This was the original mandate given to mankind. It is our purpose. Uh, it, it, uh, we understand who we are by turning to the, our creator to understand why we were made and how we were made. And so humankind, male and female, uniquely display the nature of God in a way that the rest of creation can't, right? Nowhere else, no other thing does it say uh, uh, was made in the image of God. We are imagio Deo, which is the Latin for the image of God. It's a sacred thing, folks. Look at your body. It doesn't look sacred. But that's not mine to determine. All right? God created us uniquely, and man and woman as, a, as, as one 
He created, what does it say? How does it go back on this? He created him, male and female, he created them. That's an interesting statement. Together, they are to subdue the earth and have dominion because they reflect the image of God. Our identity, our purpose, our reason for existing. What's your reason for existing? Why, uh, why do you even exist? What are you here for? What's the purpose of all this? What's the point? There is a point and there is a purpose. All right? For you as an individual, regardless of your age, your, your level of income, your level of education, regardless of the language you speak, the color of your skin, how popular or unpopular you are, you have a purpose, and that purpose is sacred, and it's amazing, as well as not only individuals, but societies exist for a reason. They didn't just happen by accident, okay? You know, what amazes me is everyone is aware of the problems of humankind and wars and economic problems and this problem and that problem, but not enough attention is given to the, the similarities, the things we have in common, right? You put a group of people on, a, on an island, and pretty soon there will be a society. There will be order, all right? Someone's going to become the leader. It just happens. <clears throat> and so societies uh, are part of God's intention. Intention for what? To have dominion and subdue the earth. As a species, humankind have a purpose. And that purpose was determined by our creator. This is true of everything, right? As humans, we create things. You know, I, I, really, we're the only species. I mean, a bird makes a nest. <laughs> it's not real creative. Yeah, there you go. What are the ones that make the mud nests? Those are cool. Yeah. <laughs> but most nests are just, you know, they just pick up random sticks and feathers, whatever. But, you know, people, we, we create complex things. A car is created to move people on land, right? How many like their cars? How many like having a car in Michigan in the middle of winter? Oh, yeah. All right. Now, you know, if the car wanted to be a boat, what would happen? It would sink. Cars make horrible boats. Follow with me for a minute here, all right? <clears throat> A cow's purpose is determined, why did I pick cow? I don't know either. Before it's born, all right? Every living thing's purpose, you know, if a cow says, out in the field, I think, I grew up around cows, I heard them. They don't, do, they don't say moo. It's more like, and then they chew on it some more. <laughs> so, 
That's a nice looking tree. I think I'll climb it. What what would that be? What kind of cow would that be? <laughs> Amazing. Okay, have a, you ever seen a cow try to climb a tree? And so if a cow tried to climb a tree, what would you say it was? It's a lunatic cow. It's got mad cow disease. <laughs> That's why they don't let me up here preach very much. <laughs> An oak tree. And oak, oak trees are majestic. I love oak trees. But you know what? As hard as it tries, it cannot become an apple tree. And an apple tree, as hard as it we want, will never produce an orange. Why? Because it wasn't created to produce oranges. Cows were not created to climb trees. Monkeys are really good at it. Okay? Monkeys don't make good hamburgers. You know, if you train a monkey, it could probably make a hamburger. But it doesn't provide the meat. Are you following me? Even in a naturalistic view, worldview, that means a worldview that doesn't believe in a divine creator, this is true. All right? Who we'll argue this? You look at the DNA and the structure, and it produces this kind of a creature. Form follows function. All right? That's a well-accepted statement that applies really to everything. The form of something is determined by what its purpose is and its function. Hammers make horrible screwdrivers and vice versa, and I can testify because I've tried it. Okay? Are you hearing me? This is, this is a big part of the lesson of Genesis. We have to learn the lesson from the very first story in Scripture, okay? And this is the big part of the lesson, that we were created for a purpose. And this purpose is revealed in this story, and it is to have dominion. You are called to walk in dominion. We as, as a race, as mankind, is called to have dominion. And dominion, you know, it's kind of gotten a bad rap dominated, people abused roles of power, but God demonstrated what he meant by this through creation. God demonstrated what it means to have dominion. Uh, and then he called Adam and Eve to walk in that dominion, to replicate God's rule. What did God see? God, uh, or what did Adam, God do and what did Adam and Eve see? They saw God bring order out of chaos, right? In the beginning, it's all chaos and darkness, and God speaks, and light, and order, and life happens, all right? God gave life to everything. The dominion that we are to have is to, is, is to be shaped and modeled after God's dominion, which is a dominion of care and concern, of nurture and creation, not destruction and, and domination in the negative way. That's the abuse of authority and power. Are you hearing me? 
You're called to walk in that destiny. It's what you were created to be. It's what we are created to be. And if mankind does not exercise dominion, this is the big, this is, this is the big idea of this message here. If mankind does not exercise dominion over creation, then they will be subjected by it. See, the whole story of Scripture, I mean, any good story or book or written uh, form of communication begins by making a point. And then that point is elaborated on and then reinforced. Guess what? That's what God does too. And so he makes a very clear point. And the, and the point here is that mankind is to have dominion, dominion uh, that reflects God's dominion, which is life-giving and bringing order. But if we don't exercise that proper place of dominion, we will become subjugated. And that's exactly what happened in the fall. Mankind became subject to the serpent, which was, you know, when you read the creation story, it creates all the, you know, the earth and the planet and the stars and the moon and the creatures in the sea and then then animals that walked the line. And it says, and then things that creep on the earth. Remember that? The creepy, the creepy thing. Everybody say creepy things. The serpent was one of those creepy things because it walked on the earth. Now they slither. Some people say they, he had legs. We don't know that. All right? And mankind, because of the fall, became subject to one of the lowest forms of, of animals. That's out of order! And then they, they became subject to food. That's out of order! And eventually, to work and labor and dirt to the point where dust to dust, ashes to ashes, from which you came, that you will go. You see how we've been, the fall made us, took us from the place of headship and ruling to the place of being below. Now, someone posted on that thing called Facebook. Have you heard of it? No? Anybody hear of that Facebook? Well, nobody raises their hand in church anymore. Four people. <laughs> Instagram. No. <clears throat> so I saw this recently. I got to keep going. <clears throat> and someone said, when you get to heaven, who do you want to meet and what do you want to ask them? And this pastor friend of mine from Florida, he wrote, Adam and Eve. And the question was, Really? <laughs> you know you know what he meant by that like really for a bite of fruit come on you gave up paradise how many ever think oh if adam and eve just hadn't done that oh my goodness all of it well guess what guys no you would have i would have i would have probably done it like, God put Adam in the garden. You can eat of everything except for this one tree. Then he, you know, he's not there. And Adam's like, 
I'd be like, it must be the best one. <laughs> Are you hearing me? <clears throat> and if you don't think that's true, have you ever consumed something that you knew you weren't supposed to consume? Or consumed an amount of something beyond the rational, appropriate amount of fill in the blank, whatever it is your weakness. Donuts. Who can eat just one? I stop by, I stop, I don't normally go to donut shops for obvious reasons. <laughs> I don't know what, oh, I, I was on my way to Toronto just a few weeks ago for a, a, an intense weekend of stuff. And I, I got something to eat at Panera, a good little salad, right, healthy. But then right across the street, this is the one in Battle Creek, there's a Sweetwater's Donut Shop. And I remember in the evenings after a long day of ministry in Toronto, I normally only like something, well, most evenings I like to have something sweet before I go to bed. But in Toronto, they have this store called Timmy's, Tim Horton. And the donuts are horrible. Right. So I, I whipped into Sweetwaters, and I, I couldn't buy just one donut. <laughs> I had to buy the smallest box, was a half a dozen. Well, I brought five of them back, because <laughs> I can't eat that much sugar anymore. The point is, it, you, especially as Christ followers, Jesus has removed the curse, right? He died in your place. You're free. The Bible says if you follow Christ, you are free from the dominion of sin. All right? So if you sin as a Christ follower, it's not because Adam and Eve sinned. Because Jesus took that. You have now a new lineage from God through Jesus that is your new identity. And so if you choose to do something that you know is not God's will for your life, you are committing original sin. We ain't got nobody to blame but us. All right? So don't think oh, it's someone else's fault. Now, remember the point of this whole message. Listen. The devil doesn't care what you eat. He doesn't care what you look at. He doesn't care what you take or don't take, what you say or don't say. He doesn't give a rip. He's concerned in one, about one thing, dominion. Who's in charge? All right? And so if the devil can make you sell your soul, give up your authority for a donut... He's just as happy as if it is for an affair or for a million dollars or for being famous. Are you hearing me? Because what, what's at issue in this story is not what kind of fruit it was, right? It's about who's in charge. And in that story, what happened was mankind lost their status of authority by yielding to something lesser than what they were originally called. 
If you and I do not rule over the things in our lives, both tangible, listen, and intangible, what are intangible? If we don't rule over them, they will rule over us. Tangible are actual things, things you can touch, see. Intangible things are like ideas, covetousness, um, ideologies that are, in contra- that are contrary to truth, all right? And some of them are really tricky because the devil is really tricky. And he can almost make it sound godly. You'll be like God. That's the point, right? Be like God. You can be like God. Just make your own decisions. God makes his own decisions. Go for it. Eat another donut. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Are you hearing me? We have to master, we have to be, we have to rule our own lives. We have to rule our appetites, the animals in our lives, the serpents, the lies and deception, the environment, the dirt of the ground, the field, the plants, the animals. All of these things are symbols of the world and the influences that exist in our lives. And we have to exercise dominion. That's our calling. So I would ask you, what are you mastering? What are you living in a proper, healthy, wholesome, life-giving dominion over? And what is mastering you? What do you still yield to inappropriately? Because that's where you need to demonstrate the authority of God in your life, the authority that you were created to have. Now, Jesus, <clears throat> world missions and reaching the lost, um, comes, uh, again, most often we think of the Great Commission And that's Jesus simply reaffirming this original mandate of mankind. The story really hasn't changed. Jesus came to restore our place and our purpose. All right, and so he he says that. It's actually repeated throughout the Old Testament. It's repeated almost word for word to Noah, later to Abraham, and then to Abraham's descendants that they would fill the earth and subdue it. And then Jesus comes and brings the full fulfillment of it. And he said to them. This is Jesus after his death on the cross, after he died and buried, after he rose from the dead, and then for weeks uh, appeared to a number of individuals and demonstrated that he had had victory over death by his resurrection. And this is on the mountainside right before he ascends into heaven. And he says to a small group of people that were there, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Do you hear? It's the same mandate. It's the same commission. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Jesus here, as the second Adam, and that's what he's called in Scripture, he passed the test that the first Adam failed, right? Jesus maintained obedience to the Father. Jesus did not give in to temptation. He did not give in to deception, the influence of the serpent, the Satan, or the flesh in the world, right? Jesus exemplified living in godly dominion. Do you want to know what it looks like to live in godly dominion? Look at Jesus. 
He served the poor. He touched the untouchable. He spoke to whoever would listen, and he told them good news. He healed the sick. Christ came into the midst of chaos and lived a life of godly order, inviting and enabling, empowering all who, to, all who believe to follow him. Follow him. Follow him. What do you think that means? It means do what he did. Walk the way he walked. Talk like Jesus talked. Interact with, you know, people like Jesus interacted. Go out of your way to find someone that is a, a social disc, uh, outcast that doesn't fit in that people think are untouchable or unclean and touch them and love on them. Find someone that's sick and and help them. Find someone that's hungry and feed them. Speak truth. Confront religious leaders and call out their religiousness and show a better way. Follow Jesus. Through death, Jesus redeemed each and every person that's bound by death and has given us the opportunity, if we accept it, to walk in our original purpose. This is the way back. This is the way. See, my sermons are littered with. Uh, no, it's uh, what are those? What are they called? East. <laughs> Distractions, he said. <laughs> Others at Easter eggs. <clears throat> Little references that only a few will get because, well, I'm old. <laughs> All right. I, now I forgot. Okay, where was I? We have to accept the walk in the way. Jesus' way, not the Mandalorian way. All right. I gave it away. <clears throat> the spread the life-giving, creative, redemptive, Restorative work of the gospel to every mankind. I actually think that what we're doing here on the property is brilliant. Uh, Bill and Mary Lee's vision to, to bring order to the chaos that was that field. And let me tell you, I know uh, it was overgrown as the guy from the DNR came to see you know, his first visit <laughs> to see, you know, what were invasive species. <laughs> he walked up. He was like, yeah, they're all invasive. <laughs> What's, what does that mean? That meant that because, and it's because of somebody tried to farm this land. I, I, when I, you can actually still see the ruts that somebody tried to plow, and it's like, you can't farm this clay. It's clay and rocks. And, and, the, and so they destroyed everything that was here and then left it dirt, and then invasive species that did not belong here grew and took over. And so the things that belong that, would have, that make it a beautiful place for us to walk through, we're, we're crowded out. And here we are restoring, we are bringing recreation to this property. And it is a great illustration of the gospel <clears throat> that we get to participate in and invite our neighbors into. Okay, so when Jesus said this mandate to those men on the mountain to go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel, think about it for a minute. Did they have any money? No, they were poor, okay? 
they were, they were fishermen out of work. Been following this teacher for three years, and he got himself killed. All right. Uh, did they have power? No, no. The religious leaders uh, were totally against them, and the Roman Empire, the most powerful nation that had ever existed, uh, uh, were seeking them out to kill them. <clears throat> All right. Where, did they have education? No. They were a bunch of numbskulls. Uh, and they proved it. If you read the things they said, <laughs> did they do it? Yeah. I think this is incredible. All right. Jesus gave them an impossible task. But in another place, he said, with men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are, are possible. In the same way, communicating the gospel, you know, we think about world missions, going to the ends of the earth. But listen, you need to go to the person within reach, okay? And you know what? To communicate the gospel to anyone is impossible. Are you hearing me? Apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, it's an impossible task. We're called to do the impossible. That's what Jesus did. We're called to follow Jesus, all right? You need to take up that commission. You need to say, yes, sir. We may be able to tell people information or give them examples of God's work and God's will, but to actually lead someone to the place where they accept Jesus as their Lord, where they get off of the throne of their life and yield to the lordship of, of Jesus and God's word and will, that takes a work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's new creation, guys. That's God speaking over a dead planet and causing life to grow. And now he's given you that power to speak over something dead and see life created. Life that will last an eternity. It requires us to operate in a level of faith. It requires us to step into our God-given identity as image bearers of the Creator. And that even though we lack everything natural to produce this change. We step into the circumstance with the confidence that we are speaking the word of God and we are coming in the power and presence of God to bring about transformation. And let me tell you, this world that we live in is as dark and as chaotic a place as it ever has been. And this world needs people like you and me weak and broken though we may be, to go out into the midst of the darkness, into the midst of the brokenness, into the midst of the pain, and speak life and light and truth and hope. And if we do that consistently, you will see fruit. But it won't be easy. Are you willing? Are you willing to 
co-create, co-create, create in cooperation with God. <clears throat> Sharing the love of God, the message of Jesus, the people walking on the church property. I don't know who they are. They might not like me. Who cares? You don't know who they are. Those kind of things are easy for me. <laughs> and just walk up and start talking. Just be yourself. All right? Don't try to do something. Hey, how you doing? My name is Cameron. Get to know him. Love, that's love. That's caring. All right? Or your coworker. Don't don't complain about how they don't work as hard as you do. Or they got a promotion that you should have. Love on them friend, a relative? Are we willing to suffer in order to do things that Jesus did? Are we willing to suffer like Jesus or suffer like the apostles? You know, every one of those apostles <clears throat> died a, a painful death. Uh, church history says John, John died a natural death, but he was boiled in oil. I think that's worse. <laughs> I would have rather died than recover from being boiled in oil. Right, uh, countless generations of believers have suffered, have have gone beyond to bring us to where we are today. Are we willing to be that generous, generous beyond our natural capacity, generous with compassion or time or money to spread the gospel message? That's what that's what generous beyond means. Is like generous, generous, generous giving, 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 giving of yourself, giving of your time giving of your finances, giving in whatever way you can to communicate this message. <clears throat> you and I, we're here. Do you love worship? Amazing. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> I tried. I can't. Fellowshipping with one another, hearing God's word. You know why? Because countless saints in previous generations were willing to give generously beyond their capacity to suffer, to be persecuted, to pers uh, persevere intense hardship, to communicate the message. You are setting in the chair you're setting in because of the faithfulness of generations who gave everything. Early missionaries would not put their belongings in luggage. They would pack them in a coffin, load it onto a ship, and go off because they knew they would not return. It's truth. Someone called the missions back in the 17, 1800s. They would, they would build a coffin for them, put all their belongings in it, and that's what they'd be shipped to the foreign land in and buried in. Wow. We are beneficiaries of others' generosity to go and to send. Just like God told me in that missions conference 42 years ago, now I was ready to go, to live, to go as a full-time missionary anywhere. I was, the thing I was praying was like, God, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? Where do you, I want to go to a Muslim. I want to go to the worst, man. I want to go to those guys with the guns. And he said, you're not to go. Huh? You're to send. And so I've been sending in every way I can. Well, guess what? Today's 
our turn. That great commission, it's to you. Oh, I'm not qualified. Ha, great, that makes you qualified. I don't have the resources. Great, that means you got everything you need. Because right? we're not to do it out of our own resources. Right? I don't have time. Huh, well, you get to choose who's in charge of your time. And the truth is, it's not like you don't work to do the Great Commission. You do the Great Commission at work. Are you hearing me? I can't be a, I can't, boy, I just wish I were. People that want to work, like, at the church or in, in ministry so that they could always be around Christians, they're missing the whole point, right? Working in the secular field in the midst of unbelievers is the highest place of ministry you can ever attain. You will have opportunity to fulfill the Great Commission and to interact with the lost so much more than people who are in ministry that are stuck meeting with Christians, primarily helping them, hopefully, to stay Christian. Are you hearing me? Right? It's now your commission. Will you take hold of that mandate? Will you commit your life not to the pursuit of happiness? Not to creature comfort and donuts? The indulgence. Now you can have a donut from time to time. It's okay. Will you commit yourself to communicate God's love message to others? Right? That is the call. And it was the mandate given in the garden. And it's your mandate, okay? It was the commission giving to the apostles, but now it's you are the you are the disciples hearing the mandate, okay? All right. One of the what if those guys on the mountain said, "Oh, forget it. We're going back to fishing. We're not going to do that." That Jesus, he's wacky. He just disappeared in the sky. Forget it. No, they didn't do that. They were compelled. All right. Are you compelled? I, you know, God's given you everything you need, but you have to do it. You have to break the barrier and love someone you may not like, okay? Talk to someone you'd prefer to avoid. Give beyond your ability to give. Live sacrificially. And for us, it's embarrassing because we live in such abundance. Seriously. <clears throat> so there's a few opportunities. This is the application to this message. <laughs> I want to give you something practical you can do. You can go visit the lovely state of Tennessee. Tennessee. It's actually beautiful. It's, it's, it's as beautiful as Michigan but hotter in the summer. <laughs> and they have these pretty lakes, but they're not real lakes. They're fake lakes. They're reservoirs. I was like, I was with some people from Tennessee. I'm like, you guys don't, do you have any actual lakes? And they're like, yeah, there's, there's a lake here. I'm like, that's not a lake. That's a reservoir. 
They were like, well, yeah. You'll understand if you go there. All right. But we're taking a team to Tennessee, the church in Livingston, Tennessee, which is a very small town. It's very nice. But literally a few miles out of the city town limits, you're in Appalachia. Okay? It's not Appalachia. It's Appalachia. The Appalachian Mountains. And that's a whole different world up there. It's really different. Okay, I've been around the world, and that is as far away from Michigan as you can get. It's in those mountains, in the hollers. Because us northerners holler when we get in there. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Get me out of here! It's okay to laugh in church. Come on. Okay, so June 19th to 24th, Kathy Spaulding is leading a team, and it's going to be affordable. We're taking the youth, but adults can go too, and it's, it's only a few, like 500 bucks. Uh, uh, another opportunity to go is we're organizing a trip to go to Japan. It's the 30th anniversary of our church that we support in Izu. And so um, it's going to be a little more expensive right now. I would say the top end cost is about thirty five hundred bucks. Probably going to be more like three thousand or twenty eight. It mostly depends on airfare and an in country cost, <clears throat> and that'll be for about a ten day uh, visit in that nation, doing prayer walking, uh, uh, ministry, and then celebrating their their anniversary. But there's another opportunity to send. <clears throat> All right, and this is an immediate opportunity that we need to respond to because there's a legitimate and significant need in the mission field, and particularly uh, to a mission that we are one of their primary supporters, the the church that we're going to visit in Japan. Their heating and air conditioning unit uh, broke down. There's, and um, it's a beautiful building. It's four stories. I got a picture here in just a minute. And, uh, and they can't afford to fix the heating and air conditioning. And uh, just so you know, where they are in Japan, it gets cold. They do get snow, not very much, but it's cold. It, it, like during the winter, it's around freezing. Uh, and uh, so they need heat or they can't. That building will not be functional without heat. And then in the summer, it gets brutally hot, all right? Easily 100, 110 degrees with like 80%, 90% humidity. Uh, you cannot function without air conditioning. And so this is, their ministry will be completely handicapped if they can't fix their heating and air conditioning units, which is only $26,000, which sounds like a lot if it was your house, but this is a four-story building with uh, ministering to a city. It's the only church in that region. Uh, Like, it's hundreds of miles. Oh, there is another church in a nearby city, but it's, it's, I mean, there's very, there's only one in a thousand people in Japan are Christian. One in a thousand, all right? And so we're teaming with New Day South Carolina. I was going to say competing. But I said teaming to see who can raise the most amount of money together. And then New Day Vandalia also wants to be a part of this because they have a relationship with uh, Dennis Kaku Sager. And so we need to raise $26,000, all right? Now, there are some people in this room could write a check for $26,000, and I know it. All right? 
<laughs> I love it. He said he could write a check. Wouldn't be any good. But some of you could take a little bit out of your 401k and just pay for it. Or some of you could say, we're not going to take a vacation this year, family, because we're going to give that money that we would spend to go on vacation to Japan. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, how about you don't go to Starbucks for a year? Or Big B or Panera or six months. All right. You can do something. It doesn't matter how much you give. It's that you participate in some way. All right? Every one of you can give something. So I ask you to give and give generously. And we need to do this by May 28th. But I'd like to get it done quicker. So I can call Scott and say, Scott, we've already raised it all. You are too late. So that's the building. <clears throat> that's their building. It's only the bottom three stories that you can see. There. And on top, there's this beautiful patio. Uh, actually, uh, uh, we'll get a picture of that. This is Carrie and Audrey uh, Miller uh, worshiping <coughs> Foster now. Uh, with some, And that's that guy playing the bass in the back. That's my son, Louis, uh, and some of the team from Japan doing worship. This, I think, was in 2017. This was a team... Uh, photo at a nearby temple. The temple uh, is over 1,200 years old, worshiping demons. And we went there and we pray and do communion. Um, this is a view from the top of the building. It does, it's hard to see, but that's Mount Fuji in the distance. And that's overlooking the city of Izu. And through the magic of time travel and the internet, I actually visited Dennis and asked him to share a few words concerning this fundraiser. And so are you ready for this? Listen up. It's kind of hard to hear because it was windy. And this is Pastor Dennis Sager, and I just ask him to say a few words to you as a church. Greetings from Japan. Uh, I just want to thank you so much for all your support over the many, many years. I think more than 20 years, uh, New Day Community Church has supported us, and uh, just without you, we would not have been able to accomplish all that we have accomplished. And so uh, we just want to uh, thank you and encourage you to continue uh, with the fundraising that you're doing because it, it it touches not only you there, but it touches many nations. And so we just want to thank you for that. Amen. I was thinking about, um, as he was sharing, uh, the most recent trip we went on was to Mexico. And one of the places we went to was a refugee center. And us Americans have collectively said a lot of things about refugees. Not great. I got to hang out with this little boy and love on him. And I wondered, when he gets to America, will someone love on him? 
Will we treat him with kindness the way Jesus would? I hope that me hogging him and spending time with him would leave an impression that he knew that Jesus loved him. And so many times we think about giving and and we think short-sightedly. But you know, someday we're going to stand in heaven and see the fruit of what we do. And what's your basket going to look like? What's your basket going to be full of? Is it going to be full of a few things here and there where you gave of your time and your money? Or is it going to be overflowing with people that you met along the way or that your money went to to help? And a very practical thing about an HVAC unit, I'm sorry, don't take mine away. (laughs) And I wouldn't probably attend a church that didn't have one. Uh, You know, let's just be honest, we were in Mexico, but... I wouldn't want to live there because I'm a little too Americanized. So you have that opportunity to give. Could we show that giving slide again? So again, you can give online. It's real easy if you go to the website and you hit give or you go there, you hit give. And on there is Dennis and Kaku, where you can go over to the giving station and do that. So would you do that today? So let's pray. So Father, I just thank you. I thank you that um, you ask us to partner with you. (laughs) That you say you don't want to do it by yourself. That you want us to participate with you in the work that you do. That we get to rescue the lost. We get to reach out to those who don't have and give What an honor. What an honor you've bestowed upon us. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be your hands and feet. To be generous like you are generous. You gave your one and only son for me. Oh, what could I give back? Father, I just pray that we would remember the churches that we pray for, remember the missions, remember our neighbors, remember our coworkers this week, that we would share our testimony. We would love those around us, that your kingdom would be extended. In Jesus' name, amen.